Welcome back to the Sleepover Podcast. We are fan names with Parks and Nebula. That one is Parks. That one's Nebula. <laughs> that was a wonderful, <laughs> that <one's Nebula. laughs> wonderfully far away from the mic introduction. Thank you, my love. Um, we talk about fandom shit, if you're new here, and this week we're going to talk about disabilities in fandom, and one of those disabilities tends to be the fact that we cannot do a fucking intro ever. So. I've got autism, bro, it's not my fault. I, it's cool, it's cool. My brain is made <laughs> of mashed potatoes. <laughs> oh my god, hello. If you guys were unaware, um, even though I'm pretty sure I've mentioned it at least a million times in other episodes, or if you just know me in general, um, I'm an autistic female, which means that it was very hard for me to get diagnosed. Um, most of the time, Autism in women doesn't get diagnosed until early adult, late adult um, stages of life because the way that we deal with it or the way that it presents is much more different than the way it presents in men. And because of that, a lot of women go undiagnosed or it can be written off instead of having um, ASD, which is autism spectrum disorder. You instead have like symptoms of ADD and ADHD and you can have both while still having autism. So that's a part of why I never got diagnosed was because my doctor saw I had ADHD. ADHD and we're just like, meh, that's fine. So a lot of this we're going to be talking about today is how, not just specifically um, autism, but that's my kind of field of focus. I also have Ehlers-Danlos Syndrome, which if you're unaware is a connective tissue disorder that has about eight total general types. There's more, but these are the main ones. The most common one of it being hypermobility EDS, which is when your joints are very loose, your skin is very loose, and you're very flexible. Um, I myself, sorry to just go on a huge spiel, but just to kind of explain my background, I have six types of Ehlers-Danlos. I have one that affects my brain. I have one that affects my skin and my joints. I have one that affects my lungs, my stomach, and everything else in between. My pulmonary are like basically every system is affected by my EDS. So we're going to be talking about um, specifically more kind of those ones, but we're also going to be talking about limb loss, um, other depression and, and animes and stuff, um, the whole spiel, things that we know about. Um, of course, there are far more um, examples of representation outside of what we're going to be focusing on today, but the best way to know if it is a good representation is to ask those who were affected by it. Um, well, of course, we're not the say-all to what is perfect and what isn't. Obviously, things are going to be affecting other people differently and how they view their representation. If someone is feeling represented by these groups that I'm going to definitely bash, I'm sorry, um, that doesn't make it invalid as a representation, but for some it can be harmful and some it can be helpful. So it just depends on who you're talking to, and it's best to get education from both of those groups so you know how you can be a good supporter to people with those disabilities. Yeah, it's very similar to, like, how um some, like, LGBT media might feel really positive or representative to one side of the queer spectrum and then, like, horribly d disgraceful to another. Um, it's, it's a very similar, uh, I don't know, problem, quote-unquote, I guess, with representation as a whole for any group of people who historically have never had that kind of spotlight shown on them in a way that highlights what they experience rather than making that their personality. Like you can have shows that are super, super good representation for lesbians, but are also biphobic as fuck in the same breath. 
Exactly. Or you can have, like, there's someone who is uh, disabled and they're in a wheelchair and that's, like, just a part of them. And then they're treated like every other character. But then they have the fat phobic character that's just a fat guy carrying around candy bars in his pocket. Like, it's... You can just say Glee. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even know! I was, like, mixing two different things in my head. That's yeah, insane. except instead of just being the fat phobic character, she's also black, so it's also racist. Oh, cool. Awesome. <laughs> wonderful i actually speaking of that i saw um a really interesting tiktok that there is well first there's a tiktok floating around that's like this is the perfect um disney hercules live action cast i will not be taking criticism kind of thing put lizzo in it or else you're wrong they okay so that's the thing they said put lizzo in as the muse that is uh the plus size muse that's shorter right well, yeah. someone responded to it and said, like, this is wrong because they're gospel singers and a choir. If you were trying to cast Lizzo correctly, you should cast her for someone who has her actual register and her actual, like, vocal range because this character does not. Another muse does. But because she's a skinny muse, you don't want to cast Lizzo like that. And Lizzo responded to that one and said, yes. That is what you should be looking at. You should be looking That's at the That's what register. she did in her rumors video was she didn't, you know, she did the muses in the video if you watched it completely. Like, she did it all the way through, but she didn't fucking cast herself as that when she casted herself as the lead within the muses yeah. um, with Cardi being the follow-up because she knows her own range. Obviously, I think she should be casted as a muse, but I don't think she should be casted on her body register. I think all the muses should be black women, but... I don't think we should be typecasting based on their body type. I think we should be typecasting based on their ranges, where the muses should go and which parts of the song. If that, of course, is ever... I don't know if Hercules is getting a live-action remake. I thought it was talked about, but it's not been... I don't think so. I think it was just a little fan so. thing. But I thought that was really interesting to see that Lizzo herself was like, yes, put me in this conversation. I want to address this because that's what you should be looking at from a musical standpoint and from an inclusive standpoint. That's like when just... people got mad at... Sorry to cut you off. I'm no, sorry. No, you're good. Um, but it's like with you've seen the casting for the live action Little Mermaid, right? Mm -hmm. People were mad that she's black and that she's taking away representation from gingers, even though her wig in the fucking show is also red so fuck you black women can be redheads i'm sorry to tell you but um people got really fucking mad that she was casted that way and they thought they were doing it to like be inclusive blah 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 which i mean yeah they're being inclusive fuck you like i don't think it matters but the reason they casted her is because her voice her singing voice is so spot on for like the character that they that's what they went with like i don't there's such a thing where it's like people will see people in like a box written down to their labels rather than who they are, what they do, anything like that. An example of that, sorry to be like, Bleh. a lot of people see my body type and if you're unaware, um, if you found this pod like podcast on Spotify and you didn't really look into what me and Neb do separately, you're just listening to us for the first time even. If you don't know what I look like, I am six foot four and I am stick thin. I weigh 120 pounds and I have for the last six years. I am completely 0% body fat. I am just a stick. I am bones, organs, and that's it. And so I'm very small. A lot of people see my weight and they think that I'm like the epitome of health because I'm small. Or they think I'm immediately written off as an eating disorder. No one realizes what's happening to me. And that's just an easy, like, kind of example of 
people don't look past a certain thing. Like the back to the Lizzo situation, they saw the short plus size muse and they're like, that's Lizzo, but they didn't consider anything about her, what she does personally. Um, and that's a lot of the time when representation can be wrong. Say when they try to put that, like in current like Netflix shows, say, I can't think of one exactly, but I can definitely be like more aware of my examples as I go through, but like... They see these labels and they're like, okay, we want to add a black character who's plus sized. Do it. But then they don't fucking take any breadth into any further depth than that. They're just there to be there. Or they're like popping out buzzwords to try to sound like they're a well-written, like aware character, but they're not. It's just bad, you know? It's just annoying. <laughs> yeah, it is really annoying. And I'll be honest that when I first met you and I saw all these photos of you, I was like, oh my god, I would kill to look like Parks. And you started talking to me about everything that you deal with. And I'm like, G -g dude, no. <laughs> it's My lungs are I held could... together with staples. You don't want to be me. <laughs> yeah, like if I could pull apart some of me and offer it to you, I absolutely would. Like that's, it's so frustrating to hear people envy other people and then to be caught in that spider's web and you realize the only reason that they exist like that is because they're not supposed to exist like that and the the idea that we should exist like that doesn't even fucking exist like there's no achievable and attainable body standards where you would be happy healthy comfortable in your skin and still be like i don't know desired for lack of a better word by yeah. by others it just doesn't fucking about, exist like it doesn't. It never fucking does. And I'm sorry we're focusing. I know this is a disability episode, but the easiest way to explain this breath that we're trying to talk about when we talk about representation is a lot of more people can relate to like body dysmorphia, not feeling comfortable in their skin, having body issues. It's a much more relatable and easier, like palpable way to describe what we're talking about before we kind of get into a bigger breath. Because if you're not autistic, say, if you don't have any health problems, God bless you. I don't know how the fuck you did it. But if you don't know how to relate to these things, it can be hard to break down and understand it. So that's kind of why we're focusing right where we are. Um, you know, fun stuff. Yeah. But um, shall we get started with our bad representation first? Because I can totally go off. Um, yes, absolutely. <laughs> if you've ever watched Big Bang Theory, I'm going to crush your head like a fucking Coke can. I have been called like Sheldon typed by like people in Comic-Con groups. Anytime any sort of mention of autism comes up, people are always first to be like, Sheldon? Bazinga? Like, shut the fuck up. Sheldon as a character is one of the worst, most offensive like terms to bring up autism in any such way because the way they abuse like the he's really smart and he's socially inept is super fucking insensitive to people who go through this. Um, obviously, spectrum disorders are very different and even calling it like a one-to-one -one linear spectrum like a lot of old media has been before has been a really bad idea. The best way to think about autism is like a soup. Because everyone's bowl is going to be a little different. Sometimes you'll get more carrots and you're a little bit more better at talking to people. Sometimes you're not very smart and breaking things down on a linear scale is very hard for you. It's a different experience for everybody. I'm more socially inept than my friends. I can eat anything, but like Connor, who also has autism, can't handle sauce because it's just not good for him texturally. Autism is so different, but the way they do fucking Sheldon is so offensive. He's the butt of a joke for it, and it's not good whatsoever, especially in young Sheldon. Terrible. Fuck Big Bang Theory. Fuck everything they try to do regarding their takes on disabilities. It's all shit. It's all garbage, and I fucking hate it. Well, it's not like that's not even mentioning how it doesn't 
make you any less of an individual if your soup is different than another's. And Big Bang Theory harps on, well, these people are still good for society because they're smart and because they work in engineering or, like, what the fuck do they do? I can't even remember. They're STEM rocket engineers, uh, mathematicians. I don't fucking care. Theoretical physicists. Which is a whole other issue because then you're saying, okay, well, as long as you can contribute to STEM industries, then you're worthy. But if if you're autistic and smart and an artist, get fucked because you're not going to be able to engage. You in can't these bring kinds anything of, here. Yeah, yeah, you're not productive to society, and that's so stupid. It's just masking the high functioning and low functioning titles, which I which hate. is so stupid because that's the linear form. I can be high functioning in certain aspects, and I mean I am high functioning if we're breaking down the actual term. Like diagnosed, I am high functioning. But even then, like specialists in the autism fields and like medical professional fields are taking away that term. They're using it less and less when it comes to diagnosis. And of course, um, we're also pushing away from like the term for specifically for Asperger's because it's made by Nazis to separate people. Not good. Yes. But Going down to these like circular, more circular soup based. The soup isn't an official medical diagnosis, but there was this infographic that I saw a long time ago, and that really helped me. It really helped like my friends. Like Ryan is autistic, Connor's autistic. Um, having that helped us kind of all split where we stand and sense our differences and help us push ourselves better as people. Um, but another, do you remember that show? You've watched Bates Motel, right? No. But I know what but it is. But you know the guy who played the kid, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That guy got another show. I think it's called The Good Doctor, where it's like this really young d- kid, like managed yes, to surpass I, medical school I because he's autism. He has autism. And he's really smart. <sighs> fuck that show. For the same reason, fuck Big Bang Theory. I like the actor. I think he does a great job. I really loved Bates Motel, but I'm really disappointed by this show because the way it's done is just so fucking one-sided and dense and it's back to like you're not really useful in society unless you can bring something to us and i really hate obviously autistic people are smart but we're not smart for an autistic person like you know mm-hmm. i hate the whole thing of like we have to be super super smart and we have to be like super on top of it if we want to be recognized as people and that's what a lot of like autistic media represents which is super stupid super fucking stupid i hate it completely um we've gotten so much better representation lately and surprisingly i'm gonna praise blizzard for once the way they treat symmetra's autism it was not one of those things that they had to do like when they dropped that soldier 76 was gay where it's like they were in hot water and they're like well he's gay um no story nothing they're just like he's gay (laughs) you're like oh any context for that Mm -mm. (laughs) he's gay even though you know. we've set up this like lifelong romance between him and Anna, probably like that's what they were setting up, at. and they're like, "He's gay." We're in trouble with Hong Kong. He's gay. I don't think this last bit was um, like pandery like that because it just happens. But like with the tracer one, it takes time to build a comic, so I don't put that under the bus. The Soldier seventy six one definitely fucking was though. Um, but the way that like Symmetra was written, she's always been autistic like her voice lines are always kind of hinting that she's got that sense of like 
focus on one thing, which is completely common in hyperfixation, stuff like that. And it was made canon in one of her stories. And Jolly Bamani, who is actually one of the reasons I started doing talks at panels and stuff, and the reason I started getting involved with like autism voices, was because at a comic convention or a which gaming she, convention, she is the voice of Symmetra. We she's the voice of Symmetra. Yes, yeah. I'm going to meet her at Fanix this year, by the way. Again, gonna, yay! Yeah, yeah. I'm going to go tell her about fan names specifically and like yay. how talking to her at this panel um so at gaming con 2017 2018 um it was one year before they moved so yes 2018 she was there i was dressed as arcade sona and i had gone through like the artist alley before and it's a pretty small convention so i went and i met her i met josh petersdorf um i met fucking i met a bunch i can't think of their names right now i met the voice of femshep uh, i met Theodore Chin, who's the voice of Zenyatta. I met all the voice actors because it was very, very short, so I didn't have to like worry about lines or too much, and they weren't really doing like paid meet and greets because it was a small con. So I went and I talked to her the day before, and like we were fine. It was buddy buddy. She complimented my cosplays. Like I got a picture with her. It was really nice. But the next day they had like a Overwatch in like panel, so I went and talked to them. And during this panel, um, I went to Hold on. There were two panels. There was one for general voice acting the day before, the same day I went and got pictures with them. And then I tried to get in to, like, ask a question, but the panel ended before I could, blah, blah, blah. But um, they recognized me because I came and talked to them that day. So I go back the next day. And please note, this is the day that one of my friend's birthday had been. And she lives in the UK. So for her birthday, I printed off a picture. Um, she did some she used to do Overwatch art. So she did a picture of Symmetra because she herself is a, um, she's Somalian and she really saw herself in Symmetra. So she really, really related to the character. So I brought one of her prints to Anjali and she signed it and I got a picture of her with it. And like, she, she still has it. Like she's done Q and A's before with her artboard behind her. She still has this print. Um, so I met Josh and her again. I talked to them all day, basically. Like we were pretty tight, like at this con and I go to her panel, like the whole panel for Overwatch specifically and they stop the panel because I'm at the back of the line because I'm wearing a big costume. So I always sit at the back row. I couldn't get ahead. And um, when I get to the line, they're about to end questioning. But she specifically stops it because she wants to hear what I have to say. Because she recognizes me and she knew that I was trying to answer this before. And so I go up there and I'm shaking like a leaf because it's kind of my first time being in like the focal point. I'm really big hider. And so I go up there and I just wanted to like ask her how she felt about like voicing an autistic character and like what impact that's had on her, if that's had any differences on how she behaves when she's playing Symmetra, things like that. And she literally comes down, like she pulls her mic off and she says, I don't want to answer this from up here. And she comes down to me at the mic stand, like hugs me and then tells me to my face that it's one of the most important things she can do because we need accurate representation. And even though she herself is an autistic, she went really hard trying to research this role because she wants to make sure people like me can have something to hold on to. I'm crying. I'm crying. So I oh have pictures God. of her hugging me at this convention, stuff like that, because she came down to talk to me. I was literally this close to her. Like, we were close. Um. So yeah, Fanex, I'm going to talk to her again and let her know where things have been. But that's so sweet. A lot of the oh people God. who put in, like, I don't care about big companies. I never have. Like, fuck. I don't give a fuck about Activision Blizzard. I don't care. But when it comes to the individual voice actors and the individual artists and writers who put in the work, they take the time to make sure that things are accurate. And with, like, Symmetra, they did a really good fucking job. And they still continue to do it. They didn't give in to, like, the Autism Speaks blue uh, fucking puzzle piece. Don't support Autism Speaks. 
Um, they didn't give in, like, they didn't need to make it, like, a token by any means. Like, she's already a Middle Eastern character, self, yeah, Middle Eastern character. I can't remember where she's from directly, because I think it's a not real place within a real place. Um, but she's a Middle Eastern character, so she's already representing something, but they made her autistic because it was important. Um, and I also think uh, Apex Legends does a very, very good job of representation across the board. Not just the disabilities, like Rampart is autistic, um, who's also voiced by Angela and Jolly Bamani, um, so if you didn't know. And there's one more I can't think of who's also autistic. Shit, shit, shit. I can't think of her name. Apex is Legends. She the, is she the British white girl? Yeah, with the, with the curly hair. Um, oh, it's like a... It's like a- an androgynous name yeah right? that's why i can't think of it rampart mm. is though and she's the one with the um big gun uh shit. hold on i'm gonna google shit. it yeah i'm googling oh horizon horizon's autistic okay oh so is watson watson that's the one i was thinking of all three of them are like autistic as hell or they're written to be neurodivergent watson's definitely confirmed autism autistic though um but Apex Legends has non-binary characters. They have pansexual and bisexual characters. They have a canon lesbian. Apex Legends is the fucking goat. Um, but they also do a good job of, like, not making a token of their, like, characters. They just, they're there and they have autism. That's what it is. And by the way, I do not use person-first language. Or I don't use, like, person-first language because I don't think it's disrespectful to be an autistic person i am an autistic person i'm not a person with autism my autism is a part of me and that's just you know i'm not going to put myself first because i'm not going to diminish this part of me that i have um just to make it clear i'm sorry if you use person first uh, language and that's more comfortable for you by all means use it but for me that is not how i want to describe my disability um sorry i'm like rambling a lot this episode i just want to make it clear no that- i think I think that's really like important and stuff because it's it's representation is about everybody else's experiences shown to those who do not have them. And so that's what our whole goal with this show is, is to communicate this is what we experience and also this is what we got out of these uh, fandoms and media that we engage with. And then we discuss, okay, it affected me in A, B, and C, but it affected you in X, Y, and Z. And like those are a big part of why representation should exist and why it is one of the most important things with media rep is because it's just it's the human experience and that's why media exists is to be a part of humanity so it fucking pisses me off when people are like we don't need this you don't need it but like people four million people do yeah that's that's life um, but of course that's like having autism is not the only disability in the world, obviously. Um, there's tons of examples. There's tons of bad examples. You know, what always gets like really badly done is anyone in a wheelchair, <laughs> all like oh, wheelchair God. representations are like, I can't stand. Like, obviously there is such a thing as like not being able to stand, but having a wheelchair, but there's also people, um, there's a show on Netflix that did this um it's called never have i ever the rest of it's kind of whack the writing is whack but um the main character when her dad dies she loses the ability to walk she can't feel her legs because of a grief induced like psychosis which is real that's that's a real thing um obviously it comes back but they do a really good job of like taking care of like how this happened to her like she goes to therapy through it um 
speaking of Netflix shows, like Atypical also did a really good job being like showing autism representation without being like Big Bang Theory about it. Um, sorry to jump back and forth, but a lot of people like with wheelchairs, I feel like another thing now, I've had to use a wheelchair because I have hip dysplasia from my EDS. My mom uses a wheelchair for the same reason. And so it's like a lot of the times when you see wheelchair users, you don't, you don't get that, you know, they're kind of lazy about it. And usually the person in a wheelchair is able-bodied, so they don't know how to act like a person in a wheelchair. Whack. <laughs> it's whack. Glee does a terrible yes. job. Fuck Glee. Um, I want to say that if someone offers you a wheelchair in real life, it is not a fucking insult. And I am pissed and tired of it being used that way. Mm-hmm. When I was in college, I worked as a gallery guard at a museum. And the one of the first things we were taught was, hey, the only way you can experience a gallery is by moving through the space. If someone is elderly on a cane or even just has their own whatever that they don't want to disclose to you and it might be hard for them to stand or walk for long periods of time this is where we keep wheelchairs we keep several of them so that guests can use them they don't have to give us a reason they can just have them and if you see someone walking in you think might that might be helpful be sure to offer it to them and i said that like whenever I needed to, to all these guests, like, if you would like, I can get this out for you. And several people were very, very thankful for it because they didn't think it would be offered. And I remember at that same time, I think I was like a a sophomore or a junior in college. I would have been a junior in college. I was with Whoop's family and we were going to a museum in the city. And we were with his grandmother and she made a comment. She might have to sit down part of the way through. And I just said, oh, I'm sure you could ask one of the docents for a wheelchair. And she whipped around and was like, I'm not that old. And I felt awful because like, that's not it's not an insult. My grandmother, one of the people that I respect most in this world, was in a wheelchair the entire time I I was alive. She wasn't an amputee until she was in her 70s, I think. But like, All the time that I knew her, she was in a wheelchair, and it was a strong thing. Like, it was just a reality. It wasn't to her. She didn't consider it a disability because she just kept doing the same shit every day. But, like, that's how you have to look at it is that everyone uses it differently, and it should never be an insult. So then when I see this shit in movies or TV series and they're like, oh, I can't feel my legs. Don't do this. Just push my wheelchair through here. I just or they have, vomit. they're like big pity characters because they're in a wheelchair. Any, no, not even with a wheelchair. Anytime there's like any form of like amputation or there's any disability whatsoever, it's always, always a pity factor. And I fucking hate it. Like I'm so sick yes. of shows doing that. I'm so sick of seeing like chronic illness uses a pity point because it's not anything to pity it's just my daily life you know if you don't break down or see like the reasons why these things happen to other people or a way to familiarize yourself with the way it works you're not going to ever know and so representation is always really really important um another good representation is like i know i'm gonna lead you into this so you could talk about it because i know you want to talk about it well really quickly i do want to step in about the last thing um is that you had mentioned now that like this generation is getting older and able to create media that can represent better interestingly enough recently i watched two horror movies that have two disabled characters that are in wheelchairs in them 
and they're from the eight, the 70s and 80s, and they're actually fairly representative of someone in a wheelchair, surprisingly. Mm-hmm. And, like, it sucks because it is a horror movie and it's a slasher movie, so almost everybody dies. But, like, the way that they, the, the way that we're talking about it is still much better for the time it came out than a lot of things are even now. The two movies in particular I'm talking about are the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre and um, Friday the 13th Part 3 because, and I know you're laughing at me and you're smiling I'm not at laughing right now, at you, I just knew where you were going with this. The minute yeah. you said it, I was like, ah, nope. I'm here. Because <laughs> the the brother, Franklin, in uh, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, the only part that I was like, eh, about the wheelchair rep was in the very beginning when it has the little text scroll and it says, Sally and her invalid brother, Franklin. So I'm like, well, he's not invalid. He's just disabled. A sign of the times. But even <laughs> then, nobody, nobody makes fun of him because he's in a wheelchair. Like, they're in a van, so he can come with them. Mm-hmm. They're, one of the very first scenes is them him pulling them out of the van and giving him privacy because he has to go to the bathroom. So, like, okay, holler if you need anything. And he falls out of his chair. And it's like, they're very concerned to make sure he's not physically hurt and that they can help him back up. It's not a pity thing. It's a, this is a reality of life thing. And... That's how it is for the entire movie. There's a scene even where they're trying to explore an old house and um, the teens are like running upstairs and looking around because it was obviously built in like the 1910s or 20s. And he's like left at the van and trying to get into the front room of the house. But because it's dilapidated and falling apart, he can't get through a lot of the the like potholes and like dirt and stuff. And there's a whole lingering scene where we just watch him struggle through his chair to get into the house. And that's not a poor representation. It's accurate. It's accurate to understand sometimes, yeah, people in wheelchairs do need help. And sometimes don't fucking touch their chair. Like that's those are just the two realities of it. And he's mumbling to himself, like, oh, yeah, let's go see this. Come on, Franklin, come along. But you guys aren't fucking here. Like, he's mad because he's not being able to talk to anybody because they ran off. But he's still an asshole for part of the movie. And it's still recognized of, like, just because you're disabled doesn't mean everybody thinks you're a perfect angel. Like, you can still be a human being and interact with people like a human being does. And sometimes that means you guys don't always agree. So I, I really liked how they handled the brother in that movie. And it felt very real to how the people of those age groups of like 17 to 20 would interact with someone in a wheelchair, especially a younger brother that they had to bring along because they're going on a trip. And it just it felt very real. I'm glad you bring that up because I fucking hate disability infantilization. I fucking hate it. If you see someone who is disabled and your first instinct is to like baby them, I'm going to beat the fuck out of you. I'm going to break in your house. I will throw rocks at you, bitch. I well, will break and in that you. Same, <laughs> I agree with you. And in that same vein, for the Friday the 13th part 3, the character who is in a wheelchair, it's not a permanent disability. It's a it's a um temporary disability, so he says, like he's not completely certain. But he said it came from an injury. He's healing. He thinks he'll be able to regain feeling. That's what the doctors say. We'll get there eventually. But for now, this is where I'm at. And he doesn't let it stop him. He says he's still training. He's still doing what he can. And he is still a sexual person, which is another thing that people refuse to acknowledge for people who are disabled or autistic or have uh, like any kind of severe 
disability, be it mental or physical, they don't want to acknowledge that they can be consenting adults. And this guy is the sweetest one in the whole movie when he's flirting with this girl. And in every Friday the 13th movie, there's always one couple who they do want to have sex, but they're also very timid about it. <laughs> no. And, and and this guy, he's like, well, like, yeah, things still work and you're really cute. And if you want to go to my room, we can. And he's still very respectful and nice, but he's also not letting the perception of, oh, you're in a wheelchair, you're just this innocent little baby, affect the story. He's very much interested in a girl, and she does not let it stop her either. She's not like, oh, well, are you sure? She's like, all right, well, then I guess I'll be on top. Cool. Good. <laughs> yes, but no. No sex. None in that movie. <laughs> Do not. Virginity Protection Squad. <laughs> I love those But you movies. see what I mean? Like, yeah. it's it's frustrating that that kind of rep has to come from low-budget horror movies, but it's also really refreshing to know that that level of representation has still been palpable and within reach since the fucking 70s. Yeah. So why are we still behaving like this? I'm going to regurgitate this because I'm just going to say this. If you listen to Leighton Night, I'm going to regurgitate something that she said before Leighton specifically, but I've always held this belief because I am a disabled uh, gay person who watches horror movies for comfort. But there's always been this string of like finding comfort, specifically in the disabled community, with slashers and with horror films. Because the way, like, did you watch the um, Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark movie? No, not yet. What do you mean, not yet? This movie's been out for, like, two years. Yeah, I only started watching horror two years ago. Okay, fair enough. But one of the one of the main, like, famous people in Hollywood is someone who has a body type like me because they're a contortionist that does, like, monsters. And a lot of the time, like, I'm going to compare these two, but the way that he contorted himself in Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark was so much more, like, I guess, I don't want to say erotic as the word, but not, like... It was more, like, it was still sensual? scary. Yes, it was more sensual, but, like, more realistic in a way that it wasn't being taken as, like, this... It was disgusting and scary, but it was more realistic to say the Joker. Um, I'm sorry to bring up the Joker, but that movie made me sick to my stomach. And not because it's, like, uh, Joker. <laughs> oh my oh, I was going to say Joker. But you know the scene in the bathroom where he's like taking his shirt off and you see all of his individual ribs and he's splitting and moving and his rib cage is uneven? My rib cage is uneven. I'm going to show you this real quick. Sorry, uh, podcast users. But um, have you noticed that you can see this part of my ribs, but you can't see this one? I am no, move your hand. Very uneven right oh, here. Oh, okay, yeah. yeah, I can't see that. So seeing that in like the Joker, seeing people with body types like mine in a way where it's you're sick and you're like this. The way that it was represented in the Joker made me sick to my stomach. Like, it made me genuinely ill. But when it's in a horror movie, a lot of the times those characters didn't just become horror icons just out of nowhere. They usually, a lot of the stories, they involve someone being tortured. Like, if we bring up Dead by Daylight, the hag was tortured, and that's why she became an entity. Um, or a creature of the entity. Like, a lot of these people who have body types like mine in horror movies are disfigured. They've been hurt by other people, and that's the reason they're this way. Um, and so, like, that representation is a lot more important, and that's why a lot of people like me can find comfort in those things, because it's like, 
the scary thing isn't what's actually in front of us. It's what happened to them. And it's like this sense of, I guess I'm kind of a hypocrite saying it's pity, but it's not like pity upon what happened. It's more pity for like yourself. And it's a lot more easy to break down those feelings you have and kind of just realize that like, whatever people, you can break down horror movies, I guess, a lot more and find a lot more to relate to because it's a controlled environment. And so when you're seeing things like yourself in a controlled environment like that, it's a lot more easy to relate to. I wouldn't say it's pity. I would say it's empathy. And it's also someone having empathy for something that you relate to that maybe you didn't get when you went through that. That maybe something someone instead of being empathetic was sympathetic or they were in a pitiful manner to you. And that like that sours that feeling. So whenever you get to experience in a controlled environment on your own terms and empathy that you wanted or even just something close to what you wanted, I think that that's what affects it a lot. That's also why I like um, haunted house movies and ghost movies because that representation is often for abused women Mm -hmm. like the haunted house is the best representation of domestic violence against women in most modern media um did you see the babadook because that's kind of what it is is her own grief not yet it's on my list but i haven't seen most haunted house movies or ghost movies not not the fucking conjuring series Most of them are focusing on women's trauma. That's why most of the time the main characters in Haunted House movies are women or a lot of the victims like in the medieval horror. I know it's based on a real murder, but the movies themselves usually kind of get more fantastical with it and like, it's all ghosts. That's why most of the women are either the ones affected or the victims. Same way with children being in like sinister movies. It's uh, always a representation of like some trauma. That's one of the most famous tropes in Haunted House movies is like, this is your sense of trauma being manifested and making you sick. Like in the how did you see the haunting of Connecticut? No. That one scares the shit out of me because it's like a kid with cancer in a basement. Um not cool. <laughs> Very close to home. And there's a teeth scene. I do not fuck with teeth. But um gay people and disabled people love horror movies. <laughs> And abused people. And abused people. It's just a level of relatability that maybe it's not representation, but it's an understanding of the feeling, like the core feeling that you have. Mm -hmm. But we're sort of getting off track from the original, just like physical disabilities and stuff. And you were going to lead me into this realm, so I am going to take (laughs) the reins. Yes. That if you have listened to literally any episode up to this or any episode of my other podcast, Whipper Nebula's Nerdtastic Galaxy, you are very fucking aware that I love uh, Fullmetal Alchemist Brotherhood. It is my favorite anime. It's my favorite manga. Uh, I love it and have read it so many fucking times. And that has one of the best, in my opinion, representations of um, amputees and physical disability and PTSD and veterans and like, what do you do when you come home after you've inflicted pain on other people because it was your fucking job and now you have to continue existing as a human, which is very close to home for a lot of things that I grew up around. I mentioned I grew up around amputees. That was a very normal thing when I was a kid. I also am from the South, and a lot, a lot, a lot of young men go into the military in the South. It's a family tradition thing. Several of my friends from childhood um, 
And from, like, high school and stuff, went into the military. One of my best friends in the world, she's a military police. She's a second lieutenant. And she's uh, in the Army and just finished up her fucking deployment um, that was, like, a year and a half long. And it's just part of the norm here. And whenever someone comes home is when you start to realize, like, oh, (laughs) maybe you shouldn't do this. So to see that hand-in-hand mental and physical disability represented from several different angles in Full Metal Alchemist is awesome. Because that's not even scratching the surface. There's parental loss, both of a abandoned, neglectful parent and of a physically ill parent that passed away when their child was young. There's child loss. They're the mentor, Izumi, she loses her baby and her and her husband spend the rest of their lives like longing for this child, but then taking in mentees to teach them whenever they're young boys. And there's this give and take of let's learn about each other's trauma and help each other, but also remember that it'll always be a part of us. And it just fucking goes from there. Like there's ghost pains and like phantom pains that are very real, more commonly in the manga than they are in the anime, particularly with Ed, the main character. There's a scene that sticks with me so much where he's sitting in his bed and it's in the middle of the night and his brother notices that he woke up his brother doesn't have a fucking body his brother's in a suit of armor and his brother is like what's wrong what's wrong and he is sitting curled up in fetal position gripping his left leg saying it hurts it hurts because he had his left leg amputated from about right above the knee down Um, And he had lost his right arm as well. So he has metal prosthetics on both limbs, but that doesn't stop it from being a problem. Like, that doesn't stop it from feeling like everything's better now and their goal is to, to get their bodies back. Which you can talk about as, yeah, that might be problematic to some people because rather than accepting their disability and learning that it's a part of them, they want to change it. But that also comes with, like, the trauma of losing their mom and they want it to to they want to put some semblance of their life back together and i just fucking adore it there are so many disabled characters because auto male being the prosthetic is a very popular thing um there's a lot of military personnel that come back and get auto male there's people that just want auto male which is also kind of a problem but is addressed well in the story yeah because people who like choose it are kind of like yo what are you doing (laughs) they're like pointed out but another thing with it specifically i don't you can just write this off as being a part of the winry ed romance but like when it comes to ed going back to get his auto mail like taken care of and treated there's a sense of like intimacy and genuine care for the way that they do it like the way that winry pays respect to him for it like i know she makes fun of him a lot because that's their dynamic but like when it comes down to taking care of his prosthetics she does such a good job she treats them like they're his like she knows how important they are to him as a person because that's his way of moving. That's his way of doing what he does. And that's his only semblance he has to kind of his normal life is because he still has a functioning hand, um, even if it's not his fleshy one. And so whenever you get those scenes between him and Winry when he's home, it's so important because it's so delicate the way that they handle it and the way that they treat like their relationship and the way that he treats his relationship with this autumn male and his parts and the way that he knows he needs to take care of them as well as himself yeah i just really like and in those scenes whenever they come home to the rock bell's house and they stay for a few days maybe a week at most 
we see moments where Winry's working on his automail, and so he's just laying in the grass out front with one leg and one arm. And that would kind of be seen as maybe a grotesque thing or as, oh, well, do we really want to show that? But that's a natural fucking part of life. If you have a prosthetic, you you take it off when you go to bed. Like that's you. Yeah, you don't you need to have it on, on in the, the morning. Time. And it's or really nice that they don't hide sore. that. You know, they don't hide yes. it. They're like, yes, he has his robot arm, but they real like they remind us pretty often. Like he is an amputee, and I mean, it's a whole thing with his soul stuff and the end of brotherhood stuff is uh, it's touched upon, but it's like slow down for a minute and they're not afraid to hide the grotesque i say in quotations because it's not really grotesque to be an amputee um but they don't bother to hide it or make it shameful like ed is obviously ashamed and that's a part of the trauma but he knows that like him his experience losing his limbs and stuff made him a better like alchemist like he knows better what he's doing now and he has more limitations because he surpassed where he was when he was trying like he knows his automail made him stronger, not from like a sense of like physically strong, but it made it so he knows how far he can push himself and just the way they do it. Like it's not a weakness for him. And that's super big because normally people who do get, especially people who do get amputations, it's that fear of like, I don't know what I'm going to do now. Like, I don't know how to get past this. I don't know how to do the same things I was doing before. But I mean, if you get read any interview from someone within like the Special Olympics or anything like that, where you have people who can do like extreme weightlifting with just one hand, stuff like that, like there's a way past it. And I guess it's really easy because Full Metal Alchemist is all usually a lot of people's like intro anime because of the way it just flows. Um, so being able to see that firsthand, and especially like for a lot of like younger audiences, because I think you and I both got into Full Metal Alchemist when we were like 14. Um, I was sooner, I think. How old were you again when you started Full Metal Alchemist? 10 or 11. Okay, so yeah, we were both 10 or 11. But um I was watching Brotherhood when it came out. I don't know. Either way, it's a lot of people's first time animes. And so for them to see, like, this isn't just, like, a Western idea to deal with, like, disabilities like this, too. Because Western and, like, Western shows weren't doing a good job of covering it. So we didn't really have good representation of that. But Full Metal Alchemist was like, hey, yo, fuck you. We're doing it. Like, he's not ashamed of himself. And if he is, it's because he's dealing with severe mental illness. It's not anything that he's ashamed of physically. It's more of just where he's at mentally. He can't handle it sometimes and getting through it obviously losing his arm the way he did and losing anyone's limb whatsoever in real life is kind of traumatic and so obviously he's going to be ashamed of that especially when it was his own fault but like they don't hide it behind this weird romanticized pity party of a event you know i just really like full metal alchemist you really like full metal alchemist we just like i love it so much and also like there's There's logistical realities and problems that are taken into account in the story. Whenever he goes north into what is essentially a tundra, um, he has to have very specific automail switched out from his ports because if he just takes his regular automail, it will freeze and possibly kill him. Mm -hmm. And whenever he goes through the desert, he has to be very aware of his automail because it can burn his flesh off so he can't stay outside for too long. And there's little things like that that you just don't have to think of when you are an able-bodied individual. And it's also things that come into, like, effect in your everyday life. Like, I 
didn't even consider the logistics of how sweaty I would get when folding up my dad's chair and putting it in the back of my car in the middle of July, you know? Like, little things you have to think of or, like, okay, well, it's cold, so now we have to, like, get an extra blanket or what have you because they're in a wheelchair, which... Snuggies are a lifesaver for that, and fuck people who say Snuggies are stupid because they're you. not for you. Yeah, they're for a lot wheelchair of people users. Don't know, a lot of people don't know those as seen on TV things are disguised mobility devices. The same way that fidget spinners picked up, fidget tools are a big thing because if you're like me and you have to, I'm usually an audio stimmer or my way of stimming is having my phone in my hand. That's why like when I'm recording the podcast or when I'm doing something, I'll just be scrolling. I'm literally just unlocking my fucking phone and unlocking it again because it's a way for me to move and still feel some way of grounding. That's what stimming usually is. And so like fidget spinners were a thing way before, weighted blankets were a thing way before but the minute they got rebranded as something else, people fucking ate them up. They were shameful, like gravity bl- weighted blankets for like autism purposes and for disability purposes were looked down upon. And then they got rebranded as gravity blankets and now everybody fucking wants one. Not to say that they shouldn't use one or that to gatekeep the product. But when you're like making fun of disabled people for using these things and then it turns out it works good for you, you're great with it. That's fucked up. Yeah. A lot of as seen on TV products are for disabled people. Or if they're just to make a cake inside of a cake. Fuck you. <laughs> oh, and also, like, even the little things where... Um, do you remember those hand grabbers that were, like, claws yeah. on one end and there were, like, a trigger uh-huh. on the other? And when I describe these things to, to a lot of my friends or people my age, their first reaction will say, oh, like the toys that had the dinosaur heads on the end. And I'm like, no. Like the disability fucking product that people use to grab things off of a shelf because my grandmother had like four mm-hmm. of them. Yeah. Just so you and know, um, for my nursing program, I did a full year of occupational therapy shadowing. So I know full hand what's up. But yeah, yeah, there's tons. Like the Snuggie was for that. For people in wheelchairs, it was made. Um, that was made for people who can't do it. There's the thing like the, it's kind of like a shoehorn, but it's attached to a string. People, you, it's for socks, but people would fucking make fun of it because they don't get it. And we used to have people from schools around us when I was working at the U like in occupational therapy shadowing and when I was doing that we would have people from schools come and they would like make fun of like they would put on the jackets and stuff with the tools and stuff and they would make fun of them they were laughing the whole time not realizing that people need help closing buttons or people need help putting socks on or shoes on like fuck you fuck you it's really really frustrating and like even (sighs) I don't I don't know if it's as common in some areas of the US just because of like weather in general, but at least where I am and like places where it's very humid, people will always know what the fuck is up because of scar tissue. Uh-huh. Like they'll they'll be able to stop and say it's going to rain tomorrow because my my scars hurt. Like my legs hurt. That happens to me. And I can't breathe. Like my lungs hurt because my entire lung is full of scar tissue. Like when it's cold outside, I can't be outside. Yeah. And I have friends who had that whenever they were a lot younger, that they had some pretty severe surgeries when they were kids. And in high school, they'd be like, man, it's going to it's going to get like real fucking rainy these next few days. My legs are going to suck. And people would make fun of them. Like, what do you mean? One, that's cool as shit that you can tell what's going to (laughs) happen. Two, that sucks. And I'm very sorry that people do not take your invisible disability into account because they don't get it. And it's really frustrating that it's so many compiled little things. So again, 
tiny little things like that are taken into consideration with things like Full Metal Alchemist and a lot of other movies and whatnot. And I just want fucking more of it, dude. Like, I just want to see so much more. And I want to see more, like, mental disability representation. I want to see more mental health representation that's not just, oh, I'm depressed, so I'm going to lay in bed. Like, I don't know if I have autism or ADHD, but I do know that I stem like all the time. I fidget all the time to the point where while we were recording this, I gave myself a hive on my thigh because when I don't have something to fidget with, I just start rubbing back and forth on my skin. Do you ever do that? Yes, all the fucking time. I literally, I used to bite this part like between my thumbs. I used to bite it because I was nervous because it was my way of stimming. If I didn't have access to like my phone and stuff when I was doing stuff, I would bite my skin because I needed to do something. I needed to feel something. I needed to be moving, you know? Yeah, that's how I do. I like just up and down my thigh, but not in a like a, ooh, I'm touching my leg way. It's like a, I have to feel the skin literally rub off of my hand because that's what's the texture and the, tex- the tactile lot, thing. Like this. Yeah, yeah. I, I always like on the um the ridge of my hand where like your fingers. Yeah, move. like I don't right know here. I rub this part yep. big time. Mm-hmm. It's, it's just things like that that when you see someone in a show freak out or stim or like even can we normalize the arm flaps please because that's the one thing that i see people make fun of so often and it's like it's not hurting you it's not hurting anybody let this individuals do what they need to do or when neurotypical people get mad at people bouncing their legs oh my I'll god kill you. i'll kill you i mean i hate it personally because it i have a sound sensitivity because i'm autistic and so sometimes it will really grind my gears like things like um people filing their nails people stirring cups for too long bouncing their legs drives me up the wall but i also know who i am as an autistic individual so i will put in my hair pods and turn them the fuck up i don't need to deal with it you know your hair pods air pods <laughs> fuck you i gotta sl- i got <laughs> You are not making fun of my stutter right now. In an episode about disabilities. Because I have a stutter. We're in an episode about disabilities right now and you're making fun of my stutter. Yeah. (laughs) Because I I have one too. Fuck off. I just... (laughs) Being disabled's hard. And I'm so sick of people like being dookie about it. And, you know, I'm just a person trying to get by. There was something I wanted to say, but I completely forgot. Um, shit. Were there any other characters that you? I wasn't going to go specifically about, about characters. It was just more of like where we were at. Um, oh, there's a lot of the things about like how people um, don't consider it or they'll make fun of them, like with their knee, like your friends talking about their knees. I have the same problem because my joints, I get small like flares of um, inflammation because my EDS and I just get sick and my fingers hurt and I'll start scraping like my cuticles like really badly. But because of my surgeries, I have scar tissue all up here. Like I have major scars on this side, like under my boob to the side. I cannot wear bras because of this, but I will always get people commenting like on my boobs or on my nipples because, you know, it's offensive for me to not wear a bra, but no one understands that it it's severely painful because I have scars all open on the side of my back. I'm covered on scars all around my chest cavity. Like I can't wear a bra, but people don't fathom that. And you know, my disability is not the only one that doesn't allow me to wear a bra. There's people who have severe like spine displacements that can't wear bras. And so like, there's so many expectations put on, especially women 
where it comes to how we upkeep ourselves that don't allow for disabilities. There's people who like hold this expectation for like clean houses even. And I know tons of people who can't maintain a house because not even from like mental health. I mean, that's a big part of usually why houses can be messy or things aren't done is because of just the inability to mentally handle it. But physically there's, it's hard. Like my house, when I lived with my mom was not always spotless. So that was you know, I would always be apologizing to friends when they came over because it's like, I'm sorry, the sink's not like perfectly clean. It would be clean enough for us to live in it. And it wasn't like make, it wasn't like a biohazard or anything. It was clean, but it wasn't like spotless every time someone came into the house or we would have stuff just kind of like that. We I'm not saying we're like hoarders, but like we'd have like a box that was out of place or something that wasn't put in the cabinet or the dishwasher wasn't unloaded yet. Stuff like that. And it's yeah. like, it's just a weird expectation because people don't fathom that normal tasks get put off by disability or mental health or physical health all the time. And we don't get representation of those things. So no one can really neurotypical people who don't have health problems don't know where to start when it comes to this thing. You would think like just clean, like I can't just fucking clean. I can't stand up for more than 10 minutes because my blood sugar is so low. I might die. Like to loop the show back to fandom, can we discuss how Tumblr kind of introduced this wave of, like, kind of ableist behavior, like, with other kin stuff? And, like, there's nothing wrong with self-diagnosing if you have a plan to get diagnosed in the future and you just don't have the means to by now. But there was, like, a wave of self-diagnosing specifically on Tumblr that was extremely toxic. And not because it was, like, someone just trying to, make, like, get by, like, while they were waiting for anything. It was people who were self-diagnosing, but then, like, using mental health as, like, a way to flex on someone. Like, it made them better. Like, it was, like, a bragging right to be mentally ill. Or that it was, like, a get-out-of-jail-free card. Well, yeah. oh, it doesn't matter that I made this racist post because I'm autistic. I'm like, no, fuck you, that's not how it works. Yeah, have you noticed that's kind of coming back on TikTok, but it's specifically with DID? No, what I have noticed is on Instagram and Twitter, the use of cards. C-A-R-R-D. Stop putting- That is- Stop putting your medical resume out for everybody to see, especially if you're a minor. Especially if you're a minor. I know do we harped on this out. last episode, but do not fucking tell people your mental illnesses. You are adding... It's like when you go onto, like, any sort of video game lobby and, like, they call you, like, a very specific slur for, like, what you are. And you're like, how'd they know? Because it's on your card, dumbass. It's on your card that you did not hide. <laughs> I'm not an empath. I know ex empath. I know exactly what's wrong with you because you told me, you dumbass. Told me. It's it's and one thing to share posts that are like, haha, that re relatable anxiety feel when, or whatever. Like, that's fine. But don't make a whole big post about how you're going through a manic episode and you're trying to figure your shit out or you're trying to do this or whatever. If you're only posting that to people that don't know you and you're only doing it to, like, I don't know, because you think you should. Like you, because you see other people like a performative, so think, yeah. Like yeah, people who so make their mania performative, um, and that's not to say because when you're manic, you don't know. Like I've been manic, and I've stated I've been manic on my social medias because usually when I'm manic, my mania makes me vocally stim a lot more. Like, have you noticed that when I'm manic, I just be kind of saying shit for no reason 
Yeah. yeah. So my stimming gets worse. So I'll be tweeting random shit. I'll have random bubbles of just stuff come up. Um, I'm an avid cleaner when I'm manic personally, but there's people who will make these cutesy cards and it will be like, I have OCD, ADD, ADHD, DID, autism. And it's like, it's fine to have multiple like diagnosis. It happens. But when you're presenting it in like a cutesy romantic, like these are all my things that make me like, you know, and especially when a lot of them aren't true. Um, and not to say that, like, if you self-diagnose, you're wrong, but there is a lot of people with DID who are faking it because you don't know them personally. They, you know, you think it's that easy for people to go on the internet and just lie? Because it fucking is. <laughs> it is that easy. Yeah. And just people do it all the time. And especially with DID, when it's such a rare disease, you can't really, like, discredit it. But people watch Split too many times and they're like, Oh my god. I'm someone else now. Talk to me. That's not how it works. About that movie. That's not how it works at all. You don't just close your eyes and you wake up a new person, you know? And you know what? I will be fully transparent. When I was much younger, I thought that I had DID. Do you know what it was? I was a preteen with depression. That's what it was. And that you- It's just other kidding. It's just people Okay. I'm sorry. If if anyone here does have DID and this is offensive to you by any means, I'm sorry. But there are people who are, like, surpassing the kinning phase of things, and they're straight up going and calling themselves fictive other kin- or, like, fictive DID, where they wake up and they believe they are, like, the personification of Bakugo. They believe, like, this is an example, but they believe they are that fictional character. And I think the whole thing with it is people are romanticizing DID enough that they're not separating, like relating to a character and instead are using this like i don't know are you seeing the weird stuff about like um shit what's it called like where you leave your body and you like astral projection yes where they're like i'm astral projecting to like a real different time like where i'm in this universe stuff like that are you seeing oh yeah all that fucking tiktok shit where it's like i what are they calling it they're calling it plane shifting or something yes and they're like, I shifted into this, into a um, weird world or weir- weird realm. And I saw someone screenshot it and put it on Twitter. And they said, like, bro, he just went outside. <laughs> like, this. <laughs> but that's what people are doing. And that's what people with, like, who are faking DID are doing. They're like, I woke up, like, in this other realm and I'm Bakugo now. I'm using Bakugo as an example because it's the easiest one. It's on the top of my head. There's people who genuinely believe they're these fictional characters. And it's not just, like, relating to a character or even kidding. It's they believe a part of their brain is creating this, like, other personality that is this character. They're just taking relating too far. And because that this mental illness is like trending i say loosely because it's not a trend but it's a real illness people have but these people don't they're just making it up i want to specify when you say like they're believing that they're bakugo in this case where it's people that are just posting online about it i don't think they do believe that they're bakugo i think they're just saying it to say it (laughs) they're just saying it because they want to believe Mm -hmm. and that's I don't know. That's your own shit if you're figuring it out. I'm not going to say it's it's good or bad. I'm saying you should probably consider why you're doing that. And you should probably not is... put a real disability on it as a way yeah, for you, you should... to figure it out. You should probably not say I am doing this because I identify with this I like disease or this disorder or whatever, which those words are already problematic in its own right, but 
you know, it's just, mm-hmm. I don't think that people who are posting that or who are saying, oh, I woke up and I shifted into weird world. You're not doing that because you genuinely did. And I did. You're in quotes. saying like, it because you want to be it. like... Especially because all the comments are like, bro, you shifted while you were awake? What? Whoa. What? Yeah, um, I just don't like that it's becoming a popular buzzword to be like, I have DID. Look at me, I'm Bakugo. Like, shut up. Or especially, okay, I'm sorry. Um, I'm in a TikTok group where we make fun of these people who fake having DID. And we have a bingo card and it's like Danganronpa character, my hero character, um... <laughs> Someone named like uh, any edgy name, stuff like that. But if you have White Yagami, if you're Junko Enoshima, if you're if you're DID and you're fictive is Junko Enoshima, I'm coming for you and I'm crinkling your head like a coke can because you are lying. You are a liar. Do you know what they feel like to me? They feel like the girls that went to high school that wore like clip-on foxtails to their their belts. You know. Uh... It's for attention. It's just for attention. And that feels really shitty of me to say because I was just talking about listening to people's experiences. But if you talk to people within the actual DID community, these people are hurting them. Like, they're putting such a bad name on it that these people who really have this from severe trauma aren't being understood or listened to because they have so many people faking it within their community. And, and it's you know what I also I also want to specify if you think you have DID if you truly think you do if you truly think that you're exhibiting symptoms of some sort of disability or something that you think you need to be diagnosed with or that you would like an answer to we are not talking about you yeah we are not talking or complaining about you because that's a real thing that people deal with and have to learn how to manage in their lives and if that's something you're going through then that's a reality of your life and that is not what we're talking about. Well, we are talking, talking about, about yeah. Yeah, sorry. We are talking about like the t- teenagers who do not know the real intricacies of mental illness. And also, I'm going to say this, the reason I can say that a lot of those kids are faking it is because DID is one of those mental health issues. There are mental health issues you cannot be diagnosed with until you are an adult because some of them get grown out of that they cannot be proven. Some of them are so complacent with how the growth develops cycles that you cannot get diagnosed. My sister could not get diagnosed with bipolar um, when she was evaluated by a psychiatrist because she was having severe mania. She couldn't be fully diagnosed with bipolar because she needed to be an adult to get a full diagnosis. She was written to possibly have it, but they needed to do further mental evals when she was an adult to get solid proof. Because when yeah. you are, when your brain is still not developed, you can't get a stable diagnosis because you don't know what's happening there. For that to happen, to develop like as a whole, it needs to be severe, severe, severe trauma that basically stunts your brain's growth. Gr- brain's growth. Blech. A lot of these children think that like their trauma is that their mom told them to clean their room once, and now they they have DID. And that's not to say that like that's not traumatic that or that teenagers can't express trauma, but a lot of them, once faking it, when they say their traumatic event, it's like so desensitive. I guess it's so unsensitive to people who have real trauma. Like, people who get, you know, I don't think your yeah. mom telling you to clean your room is equal to the real people who, like, you skip burned by cigarettes and tortured by their parents because their parents were narcissistic and neglectful. Like, I don't well, see also, how this equals each other. 
there's a middle ground there, too, because, like, I remember when I was in high school, I came home from a high school trip. It was, like, my junior year trip or something that we were doing with one of the clubs I was in. And I came home, and my room was very messy as a kid, and I knew where everything was. I knew exactly where everything was. And my mom cleaned out my entire room and my closet, and she went through personal things and threw away some of my favorite things. That's that traumatic. a traumatic event. Yes. That... Even though she, even though the parent in that situation did not physically hurt you or say anything harmful to you, they violated your trust, they went through your personal things, they invaded your space without asking, and they got rid of things that were important to you. Yeah, because when I say them, clean your room, though, matter. I mean, like, you come home from school and they're like, hey, no, sweetie, yeah. can you clean up, like, two towels that were on your floor? That's not fucking abuse. You did not why... develop DID because of the trauma. <laughs> no. Shut up. I want to specify, there are tons of levels in between getting burnt by cigarettes and yelled at constantly and more, not to say mild, but not as intensive. Not physical, um, intensive, yeah. obvious trauma. Yeah. There are and so many And both of them can fuck you up. It. Yeah, again, I live by the stupid little school teacher poster that has the two dogs on it that says, how deep is the mud? Depends on who you ask. And it's like a chihuahua and a golden retriever. I live by that poster because it's very true. I don't care how stupid it sounds. It's is true. It because you're deep in the mud. Is that you in a kiddie pool? Is that why? <laughs> Shut up. Is it because don't you can't stand in the four foot section with me? Don't call me sure. Do you have to paddle in the four foot section? No, in the five foot section, I can stand on my tippy toes. I can't go farther than that. I'm five two, dude. <laughs> the five foot section comes to like right here. I hate you. Stop it. Leave me well, alone. But yeah, um, and I'm sorry if this comes off as insensitive to people with mental illness. Um, and I'm not trying to minimize anyone's trauma, but when it comes to these trends, I'm gonna call them trends, where people are faking having certain illnesses on things like Tumblr, TikTok, Twitter. A lot of it is harmful to the people who really do have it, and a lot of it desensitizes the severe issues that these things are going through. And so obviously it's easy to make jokes when it affects people who really do need help. Um, it makes a lot of people more resist or less resistant to getting a diagnosis because it's like, I don't want to be that person. Like, I don't, I didn't tell people I was autistic for a long time because at the time that I was diagnosed, a lot of people were faking being autistic because they tried to use it as an excuse to get out of stuff. Like, that was a really popular thing. And it's really yes. rough that that's like, like, the world we're in right now but a lot of people saw being disabled as a get out of jail free card and that's why a lot of people lied about having these disabilities it's kind of like when you go on twitter now and someone will say something like exceptionally racist then when you say something about it they're like i'm 15 you can't like that doesn't matter shut up also the trending thing that you mentioned with like they're pretending to be this they're pretending to be that i've noticed it as a cycle when i was in high school i was in late middle school early high school the trend was to pretend or to assume that you had schizophrenia yeah when you, it's the when same you thing were, when you were in high school that era it was to assume you were autistic or to pretend you were autistic and now it's to pretend that you have did which is just the same and, kind of crew that was in the schizophrenia where they're like i have another personality like i have so many voices in here except i am them now shut up stop yes and I have a lot of problems with the people who want to say that and then disguise like di disguise their own personal issues because just because you're doing this doesn't mean that you're like 
a shitty person necessarily. There's probably something else that's compelling you to do that, and we should address that. No, a but- lot of it comes from, like, this sense of, like, insecurity that needs this sense of attention. And when you think that, like... I'm I'm going to admit to this. Um I think I've already I've already told you this a long time ago. Um when I was a teenager, I had a severe issue with like being a psychological um liar. I've gotten therapy for it. I have stopped telling lies and when I do, there's sort of just more exaggerations because it's a compulsion. It's not something I can control. And usually if I do lie, I immediately apologize and backpedal because I realized it came out of my mouth before I could stop it. Um that came from me always having to kind of defend myself because of the situation I was in. But there what was I even saying? Hold on. Back back up. Um well, the reason I would do it was because I was really insecure of who I was, and that's what developed this habit. Um, I wanted attention, and that's why I used to lie when I was, like, 14. But I'm really trying to get out of the habit now because it's a mental illness, and that's a lot of what people are going through now is the sense of having to lie because they need to fulfill this sense of, like, attention that they need because something along the way is not being addressed in terms of, like, it could be depression or it could be a sense of anxiety. Insecurity doesn't even need to be linked to a mental illness. People can just be insecure because of other issues that doesn't need to be like, I'm mentally ill or anything. You can just be insecure. Like it's okay in a normal human response to have insecurities. And a lot of that is what causes people to make this shit up because if they think that like they have DID or like for real, or if they're autistic, they can kind of sneak into a community where they can get that attention. Yes, definitely. And I think it's also like, needing attention or even just wanting it isn't inherently a bad thing no it's not it it hurt me to my core because i had a lot of friends who self-harmed whenever i was younger that people would say well people who self-harm or cut which i hated that word Mm -hmm. were just doing it for attention or they were just suicidal for attention like like that's not your business though but also um maybe people should pay attention to them then If they feel that the only reason that they can get this attention is by pretending to be this person online through with DID or by hurting themselves or by hurting others, which is also known as bullying. Like, you know, if if that's the reason that people are wanting to do this, then we should probably look at the core, Mm -hmm. uh, the core, the core causation. And I think that if we were to consider this as the adults who are creating media for younger people or creating media for people in general, and we were to incorporate representation and different levels of mental disability and physical disability and open that discussion earlier to normalize it, that when you come home from school, you see this show on Netflix, you see it on TV, and it makes you familiar with the concept that people would feel less of a need to be compulsive liars online or to behave in a way that hurts themselves or others because they're not getting what they need. I I just think it's education, it's discussion, and it's representation as a whole. And I know we've yelled this episode, we've cried this episode, and now we're like, "Ah, people just care about kids. But, you know, it's, it's always hand in hand. It always comes back full circle. And I'm sick and fucking tired of these poor kids feeling like they have to do this online and then getting made fun of and then us making fun of them because we're getting pissed off by it. <laughs> well, it's like it's it's rational on both sides because we're al- we're allowed to be frustrated by it because we're seeing the cycle repeat. And it's not even the fact that it's like 
you know, re- in the same way that we were, where we were like being groomed on the internet by 30 year olds that we had to appeal to. So we were lying about ourselves to them because we needed attention. It's the fact that like we're frustrated because it's, we were the sample group for this, but it's still happening with the younger generation and it's not changing. It's like, they're not learning anything from us. And you still have people within our age group that are taking advantage of these teenagers who are just like these preteens and teenagers who are just trying to get by. So obviously we're allowed to be frustrated that like, this is still happening. And we're allowed to be frustrated that these people who are lying about this are because they are hurting other people. It's not like their fault that they're trying. Um, I mean, it's their fault that like they're hurting other people because of their actions. But it's hard to know how to get help in these situations, you know, and it's hard to recognize yeah. it because when you're a teenager, you don't get these ways of understanding how your brain works. And that's fine. It's really normal to not understand where your brain's at. Um, I didn't fucking know half the time where I was mentally and I was fucked up and that's fine. I admit I was very fucked up. And so I'm not going to I still don't know where I'm at mentally. I'm I know. 23. I'm almost 24. So like- I'm not going <laughs> to get mad at a 14 year old for faking DID. Am I going to make fun of them? Probably. I'm sorry. But at the same time, it's like... No, I'll make fun of you for saying that you think you're Junko. I'll make fun of you for that. I'm not going to make fun of you because you think there's something wrong. I'm not going to make fun of you for going online and saying, I am this literal serial killer from an anime video game. That's what I'll make fun of you for. And I'll do it with all the love in my heart. <laughs> um. Anyways, we ranted for a long time. Yes, but... we absolutely have. Um. But I hope there was some semblance of, uh, I don't know cohesion and coherence in that hour and a half's worth of rambling well it's just like we talked about what was good representation and why it was good representation um the fact that it was able to affect us personally um we talked about how that's currently being affected on online communities now again with a different disorder being lied about um stuff like that and it's like you know it's a cycle and it's important to understand. I always say this every episode, but it's important to understand these internet communities that we're in because these are real people behind them. And if you want to move forward and progress in a way that's productive, you have to understand what's causing these things and you have to be aware of them as you go through. It's the same thing as cultivating your feed, except you're helping people understand that like these compulsions, these things that you feel like you need to lie about aren't necessary. And it's important that we get get good representation so that people can find out why and kind of find where the disconnect is that's causing them to like go out of their way to like lie about this so like the whole last bit of that conversation definitely does connect well yeah and also like everything that you're consuming on tiktok is a form of representation because the algorithm is picking very specific individuals for you to interact with and for like specific videos for you to see and that means that it's selecting what kind of person in that realm they want you to interact with so do keep in mind that that is also a form of representation um because it's not like how old school twitter used to be or old school tumblr where or even instagram when it used to be this is the most recent to the 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 oldest post where you can just scroll through Mm -hmm. that's not how anything is anymore it's all trying to tailor to you and get into your head so which sometimes really sucks but sometimes is very helpful because it's like I'd rather see stuff that's more cultivated to me than just like, eh, someone tweeted this and it's stupid. Yeah, but now I follow a bunch of people and I want to see their shit and then Instagram doesn't show it to me and I'm that's mad. That's different, <laughs> but I like TikTok. TikTok is a good algorithm yeah. for that because I don't want to be stuck going through someone who posted 20 TikToks in 10 minutes, respectfully. True. I don't care. <laughs> Very true. But. Okay. It's important. What? 
a conversation. I love conversations. And if you want to talk more about it, you can join our Discord and I'll tell you straight up what I think. I have a list going right now of what I believe good representation is. If you want to get resources, I have them. If you want resources for autism, like charities that aren't Autism Speaks, I have them. So join our Discord and talk to us. Hell yeah. That Discord link is in our link tree on all of our socials. Um, I'll also put it in the description of this episode so you guys can join. And um, you can also support us on the Patreon. And then you'll get to go into our Patreon-specific Discord chat and voice chat. Um, It is $5 a month is our lowest tier, up to $15 a month. You can join our sticker clubs at $10 and $15. And you get access to bonus content, Let's Plays, um, and Q&As that we're going to get back into in September. I swear. I promise. I'm sorry, patrons. (laughs) You also, when you get to, if you're hearing this on Tuesday, that means you're not a part of our Patreon. If you join our Patreon, you can also talk about this episode a day early in our special channels where no one else gets spoilers. You can talk to us on any means necessary. You can interact with our Instagram. You can interact with our Twitter, both of those being Pod. You can find me individually at Crown Guard Cosplay on Instagram and Little Light B on Twitter, Nebula. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Nebula underscore Inky. And do you want to list off our wonderful Super Saiyans for the month? I didn't open the list. Give me two seconds. God damn it. Why are you not? I'm <laughs> sorry. I'm usually the one prepared. Um, I hate gay people. <laughs> oh my god. There she is, vocally stimming. I'm sorry. I'm nervous. Um, boop, 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 boop. Um, is, that, shit. is that why you stim when we play Dead by Daylight? Because you get nervous because we're running around. <laughs> yeah. I love it. Um, so this month's Super Saiyans are Hector, Ryan, Rye, and Ray. Thank you guys for being Super Saiyans. Very well appreciated. Very much love. Hugs and kisses to you all. Um, if you guys join our Super Saiyan tier, I will say your name and give you sweet kisses on call. Everyone else who's not a Super Saiyan, no kisses for you. You get little head pets, though. No kisses, but, but no kisses. Pets. No kisses. No we kisses. We have one more segment before we can oh say goodbye God. to our lovely listeners, and Hold I'm so on. excited. What have I have I screenshot week. anything from you? Have you said anything cursed to me? Uh, I said something cursed yesterday. Maybe I don't think I got I also, it on sign off. There's also several that are still in here that you have not said before. Oh, okay. I don't even remember who this is about. Oh, yes, I do. Okay, go ahead. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. My um, cursed out-of-context DM from Parks for this week is from August 6th, 2021, where she (laughs) messaged me, Ayo, call me Bells, because I be moving. (laughs) She has her head in her hands. (laughs) That one's funny. It's fucking (laughs) hilarious. She, okay, mine is, she, read this in the same, I'm not going to yell this, but read this in the same tune as she came down in a fucking bubble. Um, she, so she did a fucking, grew up on a, these are all separate messages, grew up on a country club. Why do people think she's this down-to-earth country girl? I'm so fucking mad. This is why people hate Oklahoma. <laughs> I have so many feelings. This was sent to me at 9 a.m. So many feelings about Oklahoma. 9 a.m. This is about Reed Drummond. <laughs> It is about Reed Drummond. Fuck her. Fuck that woman. She did grow up on a country club. Why do people think she's a downhold Oklahoma girl? I'm so mad. <laughs> her crockpot collection's kind of cute, though. <laughs> I hate her. <laughs> Anyways. 
Mm. Uh, that's that's everything for for this week. Um, hell yeah! Thanks for listening. We love you. We'll no talk kisses to you guys though. In two weeks, but head pats. You get little head pats. Join our Patreon. Give yourself a pat on the head and imagine that it's me. Yes. Okay. Goodbye. Goodbye. <laughs>